We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready for rapid fire? I am. It is time, baby. Let's do it. Here's a question from Joe to start us off. He asked this a little bit ago. Are the USC and Clemson games make or break for Hartman in the draft? Um, You know, I actually gave this a lot of thought <laughs> the other day. And what I was thinking about is, you know, how does, Mar- how does Sam Hartman overall feel um, throughout this process? Because... I think a lot of the reason why he came to Notre Dame is, you know, there was questions about what he could do in an offense and getting to the NFL. I don't know if if Sam Hartman has really showed a lot of difference from the last kind of two years, or you know, the last the his time at Wake Forest. And so I would say that in some of these bigger games or opportunities he's got left, and especially against USC where he can really open up the offense and be dynamic against a bad defense. I would say, yeah, that these are potential big games that could have a larger impact on Sam Hartman's stock because they're going to start looking at film at the end of the season and see how he performed in some of these bigger games. And I think if you can start to show that, you know, you can win these games largely because of your quarterback play, that's only going to help his stock. I agree that it will. He he needs it to at least give himself a boost to, to show that he can do it against better competition because while he didn't have a great game against Ohio State, it was at that point probably his worst game, but we have seen worse from him in the couple of weeks since. But at the same time, you know, like this is a sixth year guy. And I think that there is a pretty good book on Sam Hartman for the most part at this point from NFL guys. And like, you know, maybe he gets invited to the combine, he's generally not regarded as one of the top six or seven quarterbacks who are going to be draft available. I think at the very least, Sam Hartman has kind of accomplished at least the minimal thing that that he wanted to accomplish by coming to Notre Dame, and that was by getting multi-millions in NIL money by coming to Notre Dame that he wasn't going to get at Wake Forest. He has made a lot more. This It's like I'm not saying that that was his only mission. He he definitely wanted to try to improve his NFL stock, but
but he's also given himself a nice fallback, a nice bank account full of money, full of NIL money by coming to Notre Dame with all these different deals that he's done that he wasn't going to get at Wake Forest. So now if he wants to play, I mean, you know, if he wants to play in the NFL, yeah, there's still a lot more to accomplish, but even good performances against USC and Clemson are only going to get him so far because there's, there's still going to be a full body of work to look at. And I think that there is plenty out there already on Sam Hartman. So I think that they can help him, but I don't think it's going to be the end all be all is what I'm saying. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Irish. So Marcus Freeman continues to be criticized by some for his casual <laughs> sideline demeanor. Is this fair or foul, Jesse? I think it's pretty foul. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that Notre Dame has maybe, you know, gotten accustomed to the to the guy that was before, right? Like it it, it was well known that BK was not gonna he, he was not shy about wearing his emotions on the sidelines. And me personally. I actually prefer a coach that is more calm because as a player, if you see your coach freaking out on the sideline, it kind of adds that like mental kind of hysteria to to like potentially what's going on in the situation. Because if your coach is acting like, you know, that it's things are kind of falling apart potentially, or he's overreacting or, you know, or he's blowing up about this, it doesn't give your players a ton of mental confidence when that is the role model of the entire team. Everyone looks up to him, your offensive coordinators, your defensive coordinators, all your coaches, all your players, you know, training staff, everyone looks up to Marcus Freeman. And so when he's melting down on the sideline, 
I don't think it does anything to boost the confidence of your players. So I actually prefer a coach who's much more calm. I don't like seeing coaches blow up on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's what's crazy about like this is the most overanalyzed aspect of Marcus Freeman there is. It is so unimportant compared to making the right decisions in terms of, you know, getting your per- the right personnel on the field, knowing when to call a timeout, when not to call a timeout, you know, X's and O's, actual execution decisions, clock management, all these different things. It is it is just so overblown. And the fact that we we came from Brian Kelly to one extreme and now you've got Marcus Freeman on the other. I just think the the sideline demeanor of the coach is just especially when it's a calm demeanor is it, it's it's just so you're only talking about it when things aren't going right basically when things are going right you don't care about what his demeanor is you know and and I agree with what you're saying like look at Kyle Shanahan he doesn't have you know some some crazy sideline demeanor you know look at look look at the other end of the spectrum and the guy in Philadelphia he's a little more nuts but he also doesn't necessarily just blow up at everything I think that Marcus Freeman like when it's time to uh to you know to like to to let an official have it or, you know, make his point known, those kind of things, he's there. I mean, why do you want a coach who's just constantly going to be blowing up on everyone? You just had that guy and nobody liked it when he was here. So, again, I just think it's the most overanalyzed thing that there is when it comes to Marcus Freeman. And I would much rather have a coach – with the calm demeanor, something I didn't always have. Like, like if you can keep that calm demeanor when all these things around you, you know, are flying in your face, I think that that's nothing but a good team, a good thing, you know, because your, your players do tend to feed off that. And I, I don't think that, that like there's as much to, Oh, you've got to be, you know, more emotional and that's going to get your team inspired and, and fired up and riled up and all those kind of things. I just don't think that, that it matters that much. Yeah, I think the only uh, criticism that I would have in these instances is there is sometimes that Marcus Freeman uh, looks maybe a little overwhelmed by situational football. And I think that would be maybe something that that fans don't personally like to see is the discomfort or, or the slight being overwhelmed of your head coach in these kind of critical or key moments, but again, I would rather again, have someone reading, be calm. We're reading into things. I don't know how many times, like, you know, there, there have been plenty of different times you see, whether it's a game or just whatever it happens to be, like, you read too much into things. Like, you like you might even see, you know, like, players kind of animated going back and forth on the sideline. That kind of stuff happens all the time, and everyone automatically assumes, oh, they hate each other or whatever. It's just, you know, again, there's there's just – there's just too much read into these things that I just don't think matters that much. Yeah. Mitchell Evans says Notre Dame does not have an offen- an offensive identity <laughs> crisis. Do you buy or sell that? You know, I actually am going to sell this just because of the wording of the question. I don't think Notre Dame has an identity crisis on offense. I think they, they, they have a, you know, they have things that they want to accomplish. They know how they want to accomplish them, but they're just the thing, not accomplishing. They're them. just, yeah, how they're accomplishing them or how they're trying to accomplish them, aka play design or play calling in certain moments, 
I think that's the the more so of an issue. They don't have an identity of crisis. Again, they they know they want to be a power run team and set the pass up off of that and eventually, you know, work their way downfield and then kind of downshift towards the end of the game with and, and you know, lean on that offensive line, Audric Estime. It's just they don't they don't necessarily get to from point A to point B efficiently or do so in a successful manner. And that's that's the is, issue to me. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Tim obviously disagrees. And I guess it's sort of how you interpret this question is how you're going to look at this. But I, I agree with with the rationale that you're giving. They at least don't see it as an identity crisis because to them, their identity is being this running physical football team, you know? So like there's no crisis, you know, cause like it would be a crisis, I guess, if it's like one minute you're doing this and now you're grab bagging and doing that and you're just flip flopping all over the place and you can't figure things out. They know what they want to be just as Marcus Freeman says, they're just not doing it well enough right now. That's that's what it is. Like to them, they know what their identity is. They're just not accomplishing it when when they go out there on Saturdays, these last three games. Exactly. Major Payne says he heard Kenny Minchie played Caleb Williams in practice this week. He did, and he really challenged <laughs> the defense. Good news or bad news? That's great news. Uh, you want to get out those challenging things uh, early in the week in scout team. Uh, just so you have more comfortability for, you know, when the game actually comes. And it's such a benefit to the defense because Al Golden can see a breakdown in things and say, oh, you know, maybe this isn't exactly what we should run. And this is kind of how I want to tweak it to counteract stuff that has popped up um, during practice. So I find this to be having someone like Caleb Minchie being like really just a tremendous thing because of what I just talked about. You can tweak your game plan throughout the week depending on what Minchie shows you in practice and how they're attacking your defense. Yeah. If Kenny Minchie's not challenging them during the week, then how are that like how are they going to have any chance at getting the reigning Heisman Trophy winner who's going to be the number 1 overall pick, you know, next year? How are they going to have any chance of doing anything against him? Kenny Minchie's got to make him make a few mistakes. That's not a bad thing. That's what practice is for. You know, like you're, you're, you're not supposed to be a hundred percent successful in everything you do in practice when you're going up against something new, because you're not going to be a hundred percent successful out there on Saturday. You're not going to force eight, three and outs against USC Saturday night. Caleb Williams is going to make some plays. Kenny Minchie's job is to give the defense the best idea that he can as to what they're going to see. Saturday. So I think it's nothing nothing but a good thing that, that Kenny Minchie has challenged those guys and has it has done well. Maybe a better challenge than what they had last year when, when they were seeing the scout team quarterback. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Notre Dame's a two and a half point favorite against USC this Saturday. It is concerning. It is like treading in light water. I'm not going to say it's appropriate because I, I think it's it should it's just like a straight up kind of like uh, like I, if it were me the, the spread would be even closer. Um, it just feels something feels eerie about it at the end of the day, and I I don't I, like I can kind of see it right because Notre Dame has a better defense than what USC has faced. You know, hopefully that's how we we want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, this game is at Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame plays better, um, much better at home statistically against USC and just 
you know, overall, like they're a really good home football team. Um, and then the weather plays into it at the end of the day, too. I think if you're talking about, you know, maybe being cold, you know, obviously kids from California aren't going to aren't going to love that, you know, coming from some nice weather into that. And then you throw in some of this rain, potentially. I think that favors, you know, Notre Dame, too, because they have more of a power running game. And obviously, if the ball is slick, it's harder to throw um, and catch. So does it feel like Notre Dame should be a two and a half point favorite? Yeah, with everything I just said. But it still feels eerie at the end of the day, and I don't completely trust it. I mean, I was still shocked. You know, this is kind of like trusting analytics. If you're going to look at, well, statistically, Notre Dame's got the best defense USC has faced. They do. Statistically, USC is the best offense that Notre Dame has faced. They are. But Notre Dame is a two-and-a-half-point favorite coming off a game where I think, as, as Tim pointed out, they look completely disjointed against Louisville last week again looking disjointed and and whether or not they think they have their identity or two different things but that's the biggest question is can Notre Dame score enough points which leads us into this next question how many points do you think they need to score to beat USC Saturday night I wrestled with this number for a long time I think that 30 is too little and I think 40 is too much. So I'm landing around the 34 area. I think 34 and above is right. I think 40 is like a no-brainer, right? Like if Notre Dame scores 40, I, I think they win the game. I If Notre Dame scores 30, I don't think it, it, it would be quite enough. I think you could still lose like 34-30, 31-30. I think you got to get to 34 and above. That's me. I agree. I think it's going to have to be in that 34-35 point range. And even that... You know, look at what USC did last year, and look what they've—they haven't scored fewer than forty-one points this season. Now, again, <laughs> they—they they also haven't played a defense as good as Notre Dame, and statistically, it's you know like Notre Dame stacks up. John is picking Notre Dame thirty-four, thirty-one. Joe says thirty-five. Tim says thirty-four. I think Sounds we're like all everyone's falling in that area. <laughs> yeah, we're we're in that range. They're going to have to get it back up there once again. I just, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I just have such an uncomfortable feeling after watching this team the last two weeks really struggle to score points. And obviously you can go back to Ohio State. They, they struggled as well, but Ohio State is a but much They were much defense. more offensively successful yeah. in that game. Right, right. They just, you know, couldn't finish some drives, couldn't obviously punch through on a couple of fourth and ones, that kind of, it's going to be in that mid, mid thirties. It's that 34, 35 point, and that's the minimum. They might even have to score a little bit more than that. Yeah, I think if you want to go like absolute no doubt, I think if Notre Dame scores 40, 40 or more, they win. Uh, point blank. If they hold like, USC, absolutely. if they hold USC to 30 points, do they win? Yeah, because I think you gotta score more than 30 to win this. Well, you think they've got to, but the, I think the question is still can the offense do it? Can they can they do it? Yeah. Yeah, they, they should have been. They even with Drew Pine, they should have been more successful against USC than they were last year. But USC played the best defense that they had played all season against Notre Dame. I, I think this is a, a big game for Marcus Freeman and Jared Parker, and they know that, right? They, mm -hmm. they know what's been. They, no one is oblivious to the noise around them. I don't care what you say; it's always going to find a way to infiltrate, and. 
I think that they know that they got to they got to do something different because you can't keep doing these same things and expecting a different result. Marcus Freeman literally said in his press conference, that's insanity. Right. And so I just I truly believe that Jared Parker and Marcus Freeman are going to find ways to just be more dynamic and simply find a way to get their best playmakers the ball on offense. And as long as you do that against this USC defense, who's poor at tackling, who's poor in the secondary, as long as you get the ball to them, like getting the ball into their hands is going to be half the battle and just allowing them to kind of figure it out after that, because USC is just bad on the back end. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this Bryce Harper stuff in Philadelphia, love it, is just nuts. He, you know, of course, was doubled off first base to end Game Two of their series against Atlanta earlier this week, and then a reporter was in the clubhouse. He hears Orlando Arcia relishing in Harper's misfortune in the clubhouse in Atlanta. He gets back to Harper. Harper smashes a couple of home runs last night, helps the Phillies win ten to two, and he stares down Arcia. Rounding second, RC, of course, the shortstop. Yeah, and he makes the throat slash and the whole thing as he crosses home plate both times. Arcia says that Harper wasn't supposed to hear it. He says, quote, that's why we were talking in the clubhouse. I thought whatever is said in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse, end quote. Do you buy or sell this from Arcia? I buy that from Arcia, actually, and I, I think it's <laughs> – I think there is major uh, clubhouse, I guess you could say like etiquette or like maybe a better way of saying it is like bro code. Like there's well, a lot of stuff that I played in my playing days in clubhouses that I wouldn't want guys from the other side of the, the dugout to hear. There's bro code if it's your teammates, but when there's media in there, you've got to know anything that you say when there's media in the clubhouse is going to be reported on. You can't just be Yeah, but I think that the only thing that really rubs me on that one is that it, it, it was a Braves reporter that kind of regurgitated some stuff that Arcia said. It wasn't even a Phillies reporter. So it's like, what is a Braves is reporter, a reporter doing spilling out Braves kind of, you know, 
tea, he's I reporting guess you could on say. the Braves. He is not a member of the Atlanta Braves. You know, there's, there's again, there's a difference. There's a big difference. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I just feel like he's not a Braves cheerleader like the guys on the radio or TV or whatever. So you're more so saying like Arcia needs to 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 differentiate stuff you say in the dugout dugout and stuff that you say when in the clubhouse after the game when more people are around. Post game in the clubhouse when the you know, like they open the doors to the media at some point and there's media, you know, like in baseball, you know, reporters go right up to guys' locker rooms with microphones and cameras and, you know, whatever it happens to be. So, like, there's post-game everywhere, you know. And, like, in college, you don't see it until you get to the bowl games. Like, at, at the bowl games, it's the same deal. It's it's not as, as regimented, like, as a Notre Dame home game where you have an official press conferences and all that stuff. Like, the NFL – same deal, you know, that you'll have your press conferences, but they open up the locker rooms to the media. You know, once they open up those doors and, and they let the media in, anything is up for grabs. You know, like you want to say something to your teammates, that's one thing. But once the media is in there, it, it's not up to the media to keep your secrets for you. Anything is up for grabs. It gets said when they're in there. Yeah, it, it's just poor poor on RC's part because and to, to me the funny part is is like just playing devil's advocate here like Bryce Harper's a dude don't get me wrong but like that's what it took to kind of wake you up right like it, it, you got the talent right. to be hitting two home runs a game but it takes Arcia chirping you a little bit in the club you yeah. know what I mean like that's the part and I think and I do think like the if you want to give him a stare that's fine whatever but I feel like the throat slashes are a little bit over the top and again it's like that's what that's what provokes you to just start crushing it you know a little bit like why isn't that your just everyday type approach i guess is what i'm getting at by the way isn't it crazy how like this is year five for bryce harper in philadelphia and before they made that run to the world series last year it was just like bryce harper was was all but forgotten really yeah. after leaving the nationals. And it's really just been these last couple of years getting into the playoffs and, and making some playoff drives where it's like, Oh, Hey, Bryce Harper, still a, still a dude, you know, he can still hurt you pretty bad MVP type guy. So it's, I think he's I think it's um, fun to kind of see him, you know, back in the spotlight a little bit. Yeah. And I think um he's, if I read something, he's only like two home runs away now um, from like the, the uh, Phillies postseason home run record. He's he's only got like two more already. So that would be kind of cool if you could see him be, you know, the Phillies postseason home run leader. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to wrap it up on that. A lot of good stuff on the whiteboard tonight. We've got other stuff, you and I and Vince going on later tonight. So uh, we're going to wrap things up with this. And don't forget, we've got IB countdown to kickoff coming up the YouTube We'll go up Friday night and the audio podcast drops Saturday morning to get you ready for Notre Dame and USC. Jess, great stuff. I will talk to you again soon. Yes, go Irish, baby. USC week. All right. We'll talk to everybody else as well. Hit the like button before you leave if you would. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll talk to you later on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.